Hello, thank you for listening to this podcast. I thank you so much for your support. If you'd like to be a supporter of this podcast and uh, if this is of benefit to you, please go to patreon.com slash timothyyap. We'd love to hear from you and we'd love to have your support. It's patreon.com slash timothyyap. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thank you and God bless you. Father, as we come to your holy word, as we lift our hearts before you, we pray and invite your Holy Spirit to come and take these next few moments. Situate our moments here with your presence. Clear our minds. Our minds will think about you. May our hearts be enlarged by your word and by your love, that we will draw closer to you, that we will learn what it means to resurrender our hearts again to you as our Lord and King. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Prior to COVID-19, when we were about able to travel, I remember going to China for a tour. Our tour guide brought us to a zoo and he was introducing us to some of the lions there. We were standing in an enclosure, outside the enclosure, looking in to where the lions were. And our tour guide told us a story. He said, some months ago, while the zoo was closed, two teenagers decided to break into the zoo. Out of their own foolishness, they decided to jump into the lion's enclosure. Apparently, the lions were nowhere to be seen that night. They were perhaps sleeping in another part of the enclosure. And as the teenagers were about to leave, one of the teenagers discovered that his iPhone was missing. Instead of forgetting about his iPhone, he went back searching for it. And after he went and found his uh, iPhone, he turned around, was ready to climb up the enclosure when he heard a slight roar. He turned around slowly and he was staring eyeball to eyeball with a lion. He froze like a deer in headlights. He closed his eyes, said his final prayer and stood there for what seems like forever. Every millisecond felt like an hour. And then he suddenly opened his eyes. The land was nowhere to be found. This is gone. His friend in the meantime was filming the whole event on his phone. And somehow they posted it and that video got viral. When our tour guide told us that story, can you guess how many of us in the tour group said, Yeah, I love that story. Let's all jump down the enclosure and let's wait for the lions, for the lions will not kill us. Guess how many of us did that? None. Zero. Why? Because we know that maybe perhaps one time the lion, the, the, the boys were just fortunate and... Uh, the lions were nowhere to be found. The lions were full and had the, the dessert already. And we know that these things don't repeat themselves. And we dare not put our own lives at risk. This is how we treat God's word. Isn't it? We read about the great events in God's Word. We read about the passages of how God brought over 600,000 men, not even counting the women and the children, out of Egypt. We read about the stories of how God parted the Red Sea and how triumphantly He brought His people who knew nothing about warfare across the Red Sea and drowned the Egyptians. 
we read about all these miraculous stories, but many of us are just like the tourists standing outside the enclosure. How many of us really will want to put our lives out there and say, God, you can still do it today? We don't want to do that. We don't dare. Why? Because although we did not admit it publicly, in our hearts we say, these things do not repeat themselves. They're just once in a lifetime experienced and it doesn't happen to me. When we come to Jeremiah chapter 32 verses 1 to 15 as our text for this morning, uh, chapters, uh, chapter 32 verses 1 to 25, Jeremiah must have been feeling that same way. You see, Jeremiah chapter 32 finds the, the, uh, the people of Israel in a very bad time. It was towards the end of the kingdom of Judah. Babylon was on the rise. Babylon was about to conquer Judah or what's left of Judah. By this time, most of the cities around uh, in Judah had been conquered by Babylon. There was only a few little cities left and the city of Jerusalem was one of the last few cities uh, standing. And it was a very difficult time because the Babylons, the Babylonians had just laid siege. That is, they have just surrounded the city of Babylon, of, of Jerusalem. And uh, chapter 32 begins by telling us that there were two bondages that was going on. If you read chapter 32 verse 2, let's turn to our Bible, we read this. The army of the king of Babylon was then besieging Jerusalem. They were surrounding Jerusalem, making sure that no one escapes. And Jeremiah the prophet was confined in the courtyard of the guard in the royal palace of Judah. Not only was the city captured by the Babylonians, even the prophet Jeremiah was captured by the Judaite king Zedekiah and he was locked up at this time in the courtyard of the guards. So it was a, it was a, this is a story of a double bondage. In the midst of such difficult times, God tells Jeremiah to do something crazy. And will Jeremiah obey God and trust God to do something crazy as, as what God is going to tell him? So let's look. What is this crazy thing that God wants Jeremiah to do? Jeremiah said, in verse 7, the word of the Lord came to me. Hanamiah, son of Shalom, your uncle, is going to come to you and say, Buy my field at Anathoth, because as your nearest relative, it is your duty to buy. Then just as the Lord had said to my cousin who came to me in the court of the, of the God and said, Buy my field in Anathoth in territory of Benjamin, since it's your right to redeem and possess it. Buy it for yourself. What Yahweh is saying, what God is saying to Jeremiah is very simple. In the midst of the Babylonians coming to attack them, in the midst of the Babylonians coming to ravage and burn down the city and to capture the best of the, the Judaites and bringing them to Babylon, God tells Jeremiah to do a crazy thing and that is to buy a property from his cousin in the countryside 
of Judah. Judah. Anyone with some brains will know that this is crazy. As soon as the Babylonians take over the whole of Judah, who knows what will happen to properties? They will all either be confiscated or they'll be burned down and completely destroyed. It's not the best time to be buying properties. Perhaps it's what Jeremiah's cousin was also thinking. He knew that property level at this time, the property market must be uh, dwindling and uh, prices must have fallen uh, so much that now he's trying to sell to Jeremiah. And God tells Jeremiah, buy it, buy it from your cousin. Why? Because one day, the land of Judah will flourish again. And trust me, I will make my land flourish. But will Jeremiah trust God with God's word? This is like Jeremiah uh, standing on the lion's enclosure and says, Will you trust me to keep you safe even if you jumped into the lion's enclosure? And Jeremiah, the prophet of God, has his own doubts. Will Yahweh really mean what he says? That the houses, the fields, and the, brim, and the vineyards will again be bought in this land, such as Will there be a revival of the economy, the well-being of the land of Judah again? So what does Jeremiah do? What do we do in situations like these? When we feel that we can't trust God. Yes, we've heard all those beautiful stories, those miraculous stories in the Bible of how God does crazy things for His people, but... Deep in our hearts, we say to ourselves, but it will not happen to us. These things don't repeat. What do you do during circumstances like that? What do you do if you were in Jeremiah's shoes when God makes such a promise that seems so ridiculous? The three things that Jeremiah did, which we want to look at from this passage of Scripture. So let's plow in. Number one, what does Jeremiah do in a situation like this? Jeremiah turns to God in prayer. We read in verse 17, Jeremiah starts praying. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. You have shown love to thousands, but bring on punishments for the parents' sins unto the laps of your children after them. Great and mighty God, whose name is the Lord Almighty, great are your purposes and mighty are your deeds. Your eyes are open to the ways of all mankind. You reward each person according to their conduct and as their deeds deserved. There's something strange about Jeremiah's prayer. Because if it were up to us, how would we pray? God, I don't believe you. Help me with my unbelief. I doubt you, but I don't know what to think right now. Jeremiah doesn't even talk about himself. But in his prayer, he focuses on God and what God does in the past and what God continues to do. Why? In times when we feel fearful, we often let our experiences, our own perception, other people's perception dominate our thinking. 
when we are fearful, when we feel that God is not really true to His Word. Why? We let our perception dominate our thinking. Or because in the past, things have never worked out. Things have never worked out for me. Yes, it may work out for Moses. Yes, it may work out for pastor, somebody and somebody. Yes, it may work out for a certain missionary. But it will never work out for me. We are often a prisoner of our own perception. We let our past and our experiences govern us so much that it dominates our thinking. But not Jeremiah. When Jeremiah is in doubt, he ponders upon God and what God has done. Here Jeremiah ponders upon what, what aspects of God? That God is a God who made the heavens and the earth. He ponders upon God's creation, how great God is. He ponders upon the exodus, on how God showed love to thousands and, show, and, 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 um, and bring punishment upon the sins of uh, uh, the parents and their children after them. He ponders upon how great and mighty God is. He ponders upon the name of God, that God's name is the Lord Almighty. He ponders upon how great His purposes are. He ponders upon how mighty God's deeds are. He ponders upon God's eyes and how God's eyes looked upon humanity. He ponders upon how God can reward people who trust in Him. What Jeremiah is doing is what we need to be doing when we're in times of fear. And that is not to let our own perception blind us. But to focus our perception on God and what God can do. Our fear starts when we start to look inward at our own imperfections, at our own past, our own failures. We need to look at God and what God has done through Scripture. And this is Jeremiah's Bible. What God had done through the Exodus, through creation, through His wonderful words, in the book of Deuteronomy, because many of these phrases are from the book of Deuteronomy. A story was once told about a community leader who came to see a rabbi called Rabbi Jacob, hoping to find some peace of mind for some burden he was carrying. The man was very troubled by a dream that he kept dreaming for the last few nights. So he came to Rabbi Jacob for help. So he said to Rabbi Jacob, Rabbi Jacob, in my dream I traveled a very long distance, and finally I came to a great city. By the entrance of the city, I was uh, met with by a, a tall soldier, who said that I need to answer two questions in order to be admitted into the city. But I don't know the answer, so will you help me? Rabbi Jacob nodded, and, uh, and the man asked. The first question the soldier asked me is, what supports the walls of a city? Ah, Rabbi Jacob says, that's easy. Fear supports the walls of the city. But then what supports fear, the man asked, for that was the second question. Ah, Rabbi Jacob thought for a while, the walls, the fears we cannot climb, become our walls. Isn't that true? Our fears, our imperfections, our perceptions, what others think of us, what others say about us, often become our walls. And they they, these fears become our walls and trust God. 
blow away those walls. And you can only do that if you meditate upon God in His Word and His mighty acts in Scripture. Secondly, Jeremiah believes that God never changes. Jeremiah continues praying in verse 20. You perform signs and wonders in Egypt and have continued them to this day. Notice what Jeremiah is saying. Jeremiah doesn't say you perform acts and wonders in Egypt, but that will not happen to me because I'm not Moses. No, that's not what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah says you perform signs and acts, signs and wonders in Egypt and continue to this day. In Israel and among all mankind, and have gained the renown that is still yours. The renown that is still yours. You brought your people, Israel, out of Egypt with signs and wonders, by a mighty hand and outstretched arm, and with great terror. You gave them this land, and you had sworn to give their ancestors a land flowing with milk and honey. They came in and took possession of it, but they did not obey you or follow your other law. They did not know, they did not do what you commanded them to do. So you brought all this disaster on them. In Nehemiah's prayer, he shows that God is still working in the present tense. And later part of, of Jeremiah reveals that what Jeremiah is actually praying actually all came true. Although God is not a copycat and, re- and repeats exactly what He does, but God shows that He is faithful and uh, delivers His promise. Here God promises Jeremiah that one day the land will bloom again, that the trade and the economy will continue again. And when we come to Jeremiah 40, we actually read that coming true. Because after the Babylonians vanquish the land of, it, of Jerusalem, uh, Gedaliah was appointed as the, uh, the governor of Judea. And what he does is that Gedaliah promises in his speech that they can expect uh, a harvest of wine, of summer fruit and olive oil in Jeremiah chapter 40 verse 10. Wine, summer fruit and olive oil are not only the staple diet of the people, But they are also producers that uh, take time and supervision to cultivate. So Gedaliah, the the new governor, is actually promising them uh, economic prosperity, not only for a short time, but for a long period of time. And in chapter 40, verse 12, we actually read of people actually starting to harvest an abundance of wine and summer fruit. And then in chapter 41, we see more of God's promises coming true. We see um, some mark of renewal where there are 80 men who came back to worship. But what's interesting about these 80 men, they are from, uh, according to verse 5 in chapter 41, they're from Shechem, Shiloh, and Samaria. They're people from the northern tribes of Israel. And they're not only coming back, they were bringing grain offering and incense coming back to Jerusalem to worship, and most likely on the, uh, in the seventh month, uh, worshipping at the Feast of the Tabernacles. They were giving offering at the Feast of Tabernacles. So you begin to see God's promises actually fulfilling itself. Not many chapters later, 
when the land is not only physically rejuvenated with summer fruits and wine, but there is even a partial spiritual revival of people of Jews from the northern kingdom coming back to worship God. So when God promises Jeremiah here in chapter 32, that the land will once again be rejuvenated. He's not lying. He's the same God as his God in Exodus. He's still at work. But God is not a copycat. He works differently each time. And each time he sees his word being fulfilled. Don't buy into the lie that, oh, it only happened to Moses. It only happened to Peter in the New Testament. It only happened to Paul because he was a beloved apostle. Let me tell you, they are sinners just like we are. It's not because they are Paul or Moses or Peter. It's because it's the same God behind all of them. It's the same Jesus. It's not Moses. It's not about Paul. It's about God. And that's what Jeremiah does. And he prays his prayer that God still continues to work his signs and wonders to this day. And there is a third thing we can learn out of this passage. Not only to pray, not only to enlarge, to allow, believe that God never changes. But there is a third thing. We are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. If you read Jeremiah chapter 32, you'll find that it's not a very new uh, and novice chapter. The things that actually happened in Jeremiah 32 has a ring of familiarity. If you're familiar with the Bible, you will realize that there are many echoes of Genesis chapter 23 in Jeremiah 32. Genesis 23 recounts the story of Abraham trying to purchase a burial site for his wife who had just died. So Abraham went to the Hittites to purchase, just like Jeremiah, a piece of property. In both passages, Jeremiah and Abraham were in dire circumstances. As the Jews are on the brink of death with the Babylonians at the front door, Genesis 23 talks about Abraham at his lowest. His wife had just passed away. And he doesn't even have a place to bury her. To many ancient people, that's a sign of abject failure. And in both circumstances, attention is paid to Abraham negotiating and buying and purchasing um, the land. And here in Jeremiah 32, you have a Jeremiah working with his cousin, negotiating and purchasing uh, the land. And most importantly, for the two characters, the purchase of the land is a sign of promise for the future. Abraham purchases his land with the hope that his seed, his descendants will once again return to it and claim it. Similarly, Jeremiah's purchase of the land was a promissory note of his confidence that God will allow his people to return and the land will be rejuvenated again. Why? Why are the passages arranged so similarly in Scripture? Because there are actually no new news in this world. It's the same news that happened to the same people. The same trials that Abraham went through are the same trials that Jeremiah went through, just under different circumstances, under different people and different groups of people involved. It's still the same. 
the trials that Abraham went through, the trials that Jeremiah went through, and the trials that we are going through are about the same. It's about trusting God in the midst of the most dire circumstances. And the good news is that we have all these saints who have gone before us to look to. And they will all point to the same answer, and that's to trust the living God. And that's why Jesus came. Because Jesus knows that these human examples are wonderful, but they are not enough sometimes to help our shivering hearts to trust Him. Because we tend to say, I'm not like Moses, I'm not like Abraham, I'm not like Jeremiah. So Jesus comes to walk with us through experiences and to show us that He is trustworthy in these circumstances. Yes, God will bring us through our most difficult circumstances if we surrender to Him. In C.S. Lewis's book, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, tells a story about a young girl by the name of Lucy and her brother Edmund. And together with their cousin Eustace, they wanted to go to Nadia to see the Christ-like figure, like the lion named Aslan. As they went, they were on a voyage. And as they were on a voyage, the, the ship came to an island called where dreams come true. But this is a place where the nightmares, where nightmares come true. The ship's crews were overcome by fear as they entered into this ter new territory. And they were wildly bewildered by the darkness around them and the storms around them. Each sailor hears different voices around them. The huge seizures, the enemies that were crawling up the ship, the gongs that drove some of them crazy. And was during this very difficult situation as the ship was passing through this abject darkness that Lucy begins to pray, Aslan, Aslan, if you have ever loved us, help us, help us now. The darkness did not grow less, but she began to feel a little better, a, a little at the time. And suddenly there was a ray of light on the ship. And Lucy sees a huge ocean bird. And this ocean bird was circling three times and finally lands on the mast of the ship. And then it flies ahead of them, leading the ship out of darkness. And, but no one except Lucy knew about this, uh, this bird that was circling around the mast. And as the bird was circling around the mast and flew past Lucy, the bird whispered to her in the voice of Aslan, Courage, dear child. Courage, dear child. And in the next few moments, the darkness turned to grayness ahead. And, as they, and almost uh, before they dared to begin hoping, they shot through into the sunlight, into the warm blue wall ahead of them. It was then Lucy began to realize that in the midst of all the darkness, Aslan was with them. And that was what gave her courage 
through the darkness. Yes, 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 God knows in our hearts we may be surrounded by the saints of the past like Abraham and Jeremiah, but somehow in our hearts it's not enough because we need someone to walk with us right through the darkness. And that's why he sent Jesus to tabernacle amongst us, to lay his foundation amongst us, to walk with us. Though that we will still walk through darkness, he promises that the same God who delivered the people out of the Exodus is the same God who delivered his people out of sin and darkness through his sacrifice on the cross at Calvary. And the same God that will also lead us through our darkness. Father, as we come to you this morning, as we lay our hearts before you, we thank you for this passage of scripture in Jeremiah 32. That sometimes you promise crazy things for your people, but we do not dare to think it's for us. Help us to be like Jeremiah, to surrender once again to you in prayer, to allow your greatness and not our own perceptions to guide us, saturate us with scripture, with the beautiful stories of how you led your people. Saturate our minds with Jesus and the power of the story of the cross. And Father, teach us what it means to trust that the God of Jeremiah is our God today. Thank you, Jesus, for walking with us even in the midst of this darkness. And friends, if you are in this situation right now, let's spend the next few moments in His presence and say to Jesus, Lord, I re-surrender my life to You. Lord, I surrender my life to You again. You are my Lord, Jesus. Lead me through these darkness to show me that You are truly my King and my Shepherd. I pray for anyone listening to this podcast, listening to this sermon right now, that Father, You will speak to each heart. It's precious to You that we may turn to You at this time. Walk with us through the power of Your Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen.